Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My guest today is Ande Frazier, and she has written an absolutely fabulous book called Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. And prior to the interview, I was talking about how closely aligned she is to my own philosophy around coaching and helping my clients uh, become connected to their money, enjoy their money, certainly, and make it stress-free because it really ought to be. And so, Andy, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. And in your introduction, you say, what if I told you that your worth has nothing to do with your bank account, your home value, and the cash you have in your pocket? You would tell me that's obvious along the same lines as say money doesn't buy you happiness. But if it were really obvious, then 40% of women wouldn't feel overwhelmed when thinking about their finances. Meanwhile, only 9% of women report feeling empowered, and while 31% feel discouraged. I mean, that's a really big statement, and I'm guessing that's why you wrote the book, but maybe you could give us some insight into that and help my listeners to identify if they're one of those people in that sentence. <laughs> well, you know, I think that I grew up um, in a small Southern town in Georgia. And what I saw growing up is that a lot of times people would judge somebody's worthiness as a friend or as a professional colleague, kind of based on the amount of wealth that they assumed that they had. And so that really kind of sparked something in me, even as a, you know, a child and a teenager. And so when I entered the financial industry and I started working with clients, I started to kind of notice that for many people, they had this perception or they wanted to create this image that they had more money than maybe they actually did. And what was happening is they were getting themselves into you know, financial holes, if you will. And as my dad says, I think Will Rogers originally had this quote, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> and so, yeah, but I would talk to people and it just seemed like there was this constant need to overextend, to perpetuate an image so that people felt like that their worthiness was attributable to how much money that they had. And what I found is that when you really work with people and you get to them to understand that their worthiness needs to be 
you know, separated or bifurcated away from that, then the more they feel valued and worthy of themselves as human beings, the less that money will have a control over their lives. So it's not to say that they won't be wealthy or they won't still desire to have financial success, but money will begin to have and fulfill a deeper purpose for them than to just look a certain way or to appear a certain way to other people. And I think also what the worthiness is attributed, not just to their, their financial wealth, but the stuff that they have. Absolutely. I mean, we're all, stuff. we're all victims of having a lot of stuff. I looked around my house at the beginning of the coronavirus when we were trying to make space for all the extra food and stuff that we had gotten. And I thought, what, what is all this stuff? What am I going to do with all this <laughs> stuff? And I think that, you know, we have seen how, on the edge most of Americans are living in terms of their finances where within a few weeks of the crisis many people were finding themselves in a really serious financial situation and when you had these cascading of events many people weren't able to respond and so I think it is important for people to be able to kind of take a look at that for themselves and think about you know what is all of this materialism doing for me is it made you know where where is it benefiting me in my life and so this is a good opportunity during this crisis to kind of take a look at what's the true purpose of money what do we really want it to do for us in our lives is it to buy stuff or is it to create you know another um, maybe enjoyment with more time with our family or friends or to give back philanthropically like what's the true purpose that money is designed for us and that's an individual conversation to have you know when i sit down and i talk with clients, regardless of how much money they have, in many cases, they are not emotionally connected to their money at all. And, and it's about when is enough enough? And mm -hmm. when can you actually start to enjoy the money that you've worked so hard to create? And when it comes to your money, what's okay? This is not a how-to book. It's not a new series of thou shalts and thou shalt nots. It's a new philosophy or a way of thinking about money and your relationship with it so that no matter what the situation you find yourself, you have a solid foundation for navigating it. That is so true. And I'd like to spend some time today talking, you know, really about where people are at today, meeting them where they're at. And so much of that is just what you said. Many people have enough money, but they're still afraid to spend it and to enjoy it. And then there's so many people with the pandemic that have found themselves in financial crisis. Can you help them to have an idea of how they might move forward or how they might change their perception around it? Well, first, I think, Karen, you said something that I want to make sure we touch on for the listeners. You know, I work with all types of people and the wealthier they are, the same issues still persist. You know, there, it's never enough. And so what we find is that people think they can out earn, they can earn their way to savings or they can earn their way to having financial success. But as income rises, so do does the expenses and spending. So if you don't separate that out and become both a conscious saver and a conscious spender, then you'll just keep kind of perpetuating that. I don't feel like anything is enough. And even ultra wealthy people sometimes feel like that they don't have enough or that they are afraid of running out of money or something happening to that. And so I think that that goes back to that mindset. And right now, so many people are saying, what should I do? I'm in this crisis, but it goes back to mindset. You said a lot of people have money and yet they're still scared. So if we think about how we grew up around money, what was that first personal experience with money where we noticed that it meant something more than just math, that it was more, it, there was something else to it. 
therefore starts a belief about money that we carry on through our adulthood. And it impacts our ability to make financial decisions. And it's often a blind spot. It's often something that many people never recognize. And so when you say many people you know, don't, aren't really in tune with their emotions around money or think they don't have them. They do have them there. It's just a blind spot. They're not tuned into it consciously to understand how it's really impacting, you know, their fear around money, their scarcity mindset, their ability to make, you know, good choices. And they're often referring to that and not even recognizing it. So during this pandemic, we have to really get clear about what's going on in our head so that when we get into action, we can feel good about the action that we're taking. One of the things, Andy, that I've noticed with some of my clients as they go into retirement, they've worked so hard and they've really focused on making money, buying stuff, gaining wealth. They have a number maybe in mind and there's a cost to some of that. And what a lot of clients have found is that they don't have the relationships with their children that they lost while they were working so hard. They don't have a relationship with their spouse. And now they get to retirement. They have this nut that they've, that they've got together, yet they don't have anything around it to substantiate the reason for earning that money and the reason for having a good retirement. And I find that this whole thing is just what you're talking about, really getting connected to your money and asking yourself, what does it mean and how much do you need and what do you want to give up to have it? Well, I think that you hit on a really good point is that we have to create financial balance throughout our entire life. And I have four pillars that I like for people to have as context to make financial decisions. It's mindset, understanding your beliefs and your, the way you're thinking about money on the second one is secure security, you know, how secure is this financial decision going to make me? The third one is time. And what I think is important about time is that if you sacrifice and you save and you save and you save and you get to retirement, just like you said, you, what have you given up in the context of that? And so trying to create a balance between enjoying today and letting money be useful for you today, spending more time with friends and family, but also having money set aside for the future. So you can't got to have a nice balance between now and later but I see so many people that do what you just say, or they get to retirement and they have a health issue and they can't travel or do all those things that they want to do, or they lose their spouse and therefore it's a change of life. And so creating the balance in time and having money be able to serve you throughout your entire life, not just now and not just later, you know, separately. Um, and then the fourth pillar is freedom. Is this financial decision giving you freedom to make a different choice when you need the money? And I think that's really important as well. My guest today is Andy Frazier, and she has written a great book. It's called Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. It is, it is really so aligned with the way that I have built my, my company and the foundation of my company and working with my clients. I recommend that you pick up the book. Also, it's a great gift if you've got a college student that's going off or if you've got um, a daughter or son that's just getting married. What a beautiful gift to give to a young person. One of the things for me, um, Andy, is that I didn't start looking at financial arena until I was almost in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And to be able to get this jump start, to really be able to create such a great foundation and balance from the get-go would be such a great idea. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Andy Frazier, and she has written a fabulous book, Financially Free, and it's available in all of the bookstores and online. And if you wanted to go to her site, it's Andy, A-N-D-E, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R.com. And the one thing that, as I was thinking during the break about mentioning that this would be such a great gift for a young adult, uh, a married couple, something for you to look at. I think that these core conversations that you talk about and starting out from the very beginning in a relationship, really having discussions around money and some of the feelings that you have about it would be such a great foundation to longevity in a marriage and longevity in financial wealth. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's important to every relationship is different. And so it's important to really understand your relationship. But the earlier you can start to have some of these important conversations in a relationship, um, the better off your relationship will be long term. So many marriages fall apart because of a lack of agreement around money um, or a lack of understanding maybe around money. And so the earlier you can have some of these core conversations, that doesn't mean that on the first date you're asking them to whip out their bank statement or their network. <laughs> you know, statement, but it does mean you can start to kind of ask some questions or even start to drop some things that you may be doing like, Hey, I'm saving up for this great, you know, vacation I want to take, you know, maybe we can do something different on our date versus going to that fancy restaurant. Like you can start to kind of let them know that you are focused on money and it starts to bring up some conversations. The one thing that I think is so important about relationships and bringing about money is to come to the conversation, remembering that you have your own money story, the way that you think about money, you've got your own filter about how you think about money. And now you're bringing that to the conversation where the other person also has their own money story, their own conversations, their own beliefs about money, and you're conflating them together. And when that happens, there can be some things that kind of bubble up. And so when you're having these conversations, you want to have a judgment-free zone. You don't want to be defensive or feel like you have to be defensive about your past decisions. You want to come together as a team and you two bond and have the money part of the conversation be kind of on the outside of you as a couple. And when you do that, you can start to really evaluate how you come together and where you align and where you may be different and how are you going to actually deal with money in that environment? Are you going to have separate accounts and joint accounts or some sort of variation? How are you going to deal with it together? So it shouldn't be you versus them. It should be you as a couple versus the money conversation on the outside. Um, and so starting to have those general conversations, be very observant. I think there's a lot that we can tell by behavior of our partners. Um, that may contradict what they actually say. And so I think being observant about it and kind of dig and, you know, just be mindful and not be accusatory or judgmental will help to start to engage the conversation in a neutral way where you can actually make, you know, have progress over time. I have found that so often in one family, there's a saver and there's a spender. Uh -huh. And I do remember years and years ago, we were, the husband was saying, we have to save more money. And she said, I do save. And he says, but you're always buying something. She says, but I use coupons. I'm saving. And to her, cutting coupons was saving. To him, saving was putting money in the bank right. and actually having it. And I find that defining the word risk, you know, it tends to be that one person is a little bit more, more tendency towards taking on more risk. 
one person wants to have more security and safety, which of course then minimizes maybe the return that you have. And so really having those conversations and defining what that means to each person, I think is critical. You know, and so many people, when they meet with a financial professional, it's like, well, where do I need to put my money? Where do I need? It's all about, they think it's about rate of return or about making money. And yet, if they don't go and do some of that pre-work that you just mentioned, Karen, they, they will find themselves moving around a lot. They may not make what they think they could make, or they may not really fulfill their potential because they haven't identified their own set of core values and their own goals. So their actions aren't aligned with those things. And it's very important as a couple for each person to talk about their values to get, you know, separately and look and see where they align and then create goals that anchor to those values so that when you get into action, that's aligned with your values and goals. And so many times I have people that say family is important to me and I want to, my goal is to save for my kids college education, yet their actions are ever anything but doing that. And so then you have to say, well, your actions don't support what you said that you wanted and what you said was really important to you. So how do we get an alignment? And so having, taking the time to really have those core conversations and to look at that is critical to long-term financial success. I remember years and years ago, Julie and I were doing some strategizing with our own money just to see where our money was going. And she came back after the end of the year and she said, I don't know, someone's been taking my money. And mm -hmm. she said, I can't account for, it was, you know, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And she, and then she sat down and it was like, it was all the little things that you don't think about. It was going to get, she, every day she got a Coke and every day she did a few things and all that added up to a sizable amount of money. So one of the things that we learned early on is that we do not talk to our clients about being on a budget. That's sort of a really bad word, but we do talk about our conversation is more about um, cash flow because everybody can understand business and how important it is for cash flow. And if you don't have cash flow in a business, you go out of business. And so one of the things you said in your book is that money isn't math, it's life. And it's really sitting down and talking about what makes your life go around? Is it eating out all the time? Is it, you know, going and stopping at Starbucks? And are those things so important that it minimizes your opportunity to actually save and get ahead? You know, there's so many things that we could kind of unpack there. I think cash flow is so important. And I will, you know, use the term budget because many people will relate to it, but I don't like the word. I feel like that that's attributable to kind of like saying a diet. You know, I have a, I really tr strive to eat well and it's a lifestyle. It's not a diet. It's a lifestyle that I choose to have. And I think we need to think about cash flow the same way or, you know, budgeting the same way is that it becomes a lifestyle and being able to understand and being conscious about how we're spending money and what are we trying to get from what we're spending money on. And when you're not conscious, then that goes back to what I said earlier, where as you make more money, you end up spending it because you have it and you're not keeping track of it. And a lot of times the more money you make, the less track you're actually keeping of your money, just like you mentioned with um, your partner. And so I think it's really important to take a look at that and think about what you know, really brings you happiness and what really brings you joy. If eating out brings you joy and getting that cup of Starbucks brings you joy, then by all means do it. But it might mean that you have to make, you know, adjustments in other areas in order to be able to do that. And so really diving into that 
underlying, you know, that money is not math conversation of what really brings you happiness and what gives, what do you enjoy doing and then letting money be able to serve as a purpose for that over time. Earlier in this conversation, you mentioned um, that sometimes people are talking about the most important thing is saving for college or education for my children, and but they're really not doing that. And I also find that a lot of times parents will say to their children, we can't afford that. And yet the kids are pretty smart and they see them buying and going out and buying other things. And so they're not even having an honest conversation with their children. They're not saying my values, my purpose doesn't align with buying that. They just say, I can't afford it. And the kids look at that and go, well, but you're going out to dinner and you're taking trips or whatever you're doing. So I think it's also important to be a model for your children and to be honest and to be able to have those open conversations. Absolutely. When I was doing research for the book, I was reading some interesting studies around children and money. And what I found is that, you know, creating the piggy bank and getting your children to save money, you know, it, it's fine. But what really is more important for parents is to model that behavior and to pay specific attention very early on when children are even toddler age around the language. So when you say, I can't afford it, it automatically clicks something in that child's head of, you know, a scarcity mindset. And so we as parents have to be very careful about the language that we use and the modeling that we have. And there's things that we can do very early on in a child's development to teach them good discipline, to teach them good understanding and to start thinking about uh, money from a place of abundancy. And that comes from language. And so it's not just about saving money, but it's about the way we speak and the actions to your point. Karen, that parents should be having and aligning that with what their words are for sure. And abundance doesn't necessarily mean a lot of money. Right. Abundance means being in relationship with your money. Right. A positive relationship. A positive relationship. My guest today is Andy Fraser and her book is Financially Free. It's in all of the local bookstores and I suggest that it's a great gift. It's absolutely a fantastic gift. Also, if you're just struggling a little bit with this pandemic and wondering what are some of the steps that I might be able to take to reframe what's happened to your financial foundation and to rebuild it. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the founder of the Ellenbecker Investment Group and also a senior wealth advisor. We are doing the shows that we have today on conversations that have a purpose. And my guest today is Andy Frazier and her book is Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money and Worth. And during the break, Andy and I were talking about what's really happened with the pandemic and how frightened people are just in general. And I think it's the first time where collectively each and every one of us have thought about, will we live? Will we die? We've also thought about, will we be able to sustain our life? And people are worried. And I'm wondering if People are trying to figure out what's my next step and what decision should I make being in this pandemic, Andy? What, what are the things that you would recommend? Well, I think first of all, you know, I'd love to be able to get on the show and say, I've got the solution. Here's exactly what you should do and everything will be okay. I, I unfortunately can't say that. But what I can offer is for 
people that are feeling especially a lot of anxiety right now is to just take a minute and really get present to what it is exactly that you're thinking, feeling, and doing. You know, getting really accurate about where you are right now and being able to look at what are the decisions that I have to make, you know, coming up and categorizing them into what needs to be made now what's up next and what can wait till later because there's so many things happening it can feel very overwhelming and it can sometimes paralyze people from making any decision at all so you know think about what is immediately the things i need to address now and then kind of putting these other things aside and say i will get to them here's what they are but i'm going to wait and do that later so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming and then also recognize that you've got to get kind of comfortable with being in uncertainty right now. There's still a lot of this year left that we have to deal with of whether or not this virus is going to spike even further in the fall or what's going to happen. We're in an election year. There's just a lot of uncertainty through the rest of the year about what's going to happen. And so we have to learn to get really comfortable with not knowing what's going to happen next. And so one of the things I talk about in the book is our ability to be responsible. And the way I talk about it is we need to be response able. How well are we able to respond to circumstances that happen in our lives? And this, whether it be a crisis or an opportunity or a threat of some sort, how can we respond? And so now's a really good time for everybody to kind of think about and evaluate where they are and how are they able to respond in the middle of this and what lessons are there to be learned as we move forward and ultimately get out of this? What can we take and put into place so that when the next crisis or opportunity happens, we have a stronger ability to be able to respond appropriately? You know, uh, um, Andy, I think that so many people get overwhelmed and they don't even want to open their mail or they don't want to, um, they kind of put their head in the sand a little bit. What I like about what you said is to find out where you're at. That means everything. And I can liken it to going to the mall for the first time and you walk up to the directory and it says you are here. Right. And once you know where you are, you can decide which direction you want to go, what store you want to see what you're really looking to accomplish. And so if people were just to sit down and write everything down, get an idea of where they're at, it may be that you start with credit cards or home mortgages and you make some phone calls and you find out if there's some things that can be done. And that's what you're talking about, the immediate. And so I love that idea. Take baby steps. Don't try. It's like having the elephant in the room. Don't try and swallow it all at once. Do it bite by bite. Absolutely. And break it down into those action steps that, you know, like you just said, it may be just picking up the phone and making one phone call a day. I, my son, I'm trying to give him things to do this summer because as you know, there's not a lot for teenagers to do right now if they're not able to work. And so, you know, I said, you know, you've got a lot of things you could do. Break them down into small little steps. And I want you to do, you know, check off and do one thing productive each and every day. But sometimes those little steps, if the, being able to check it off and feeling good about it allows you to be able to have enough confidence to go to the next step and the next step and the next step. And so, but you can't do that if you don't know where you are. And a problem is not going to go away just because you ignore it. So no. I think that's it, really important. In, in many cases, especially when it comes to money, chances are it could get much much worse. And so the sooner you know what you're dealing with and that you starting to get into action around that, the better off that you'll be long-term for sure. And I do know that many of the credit card companies and mortgages, um, lending for cars, people are being more responsive and are helping and assisting people 
who truly do want to make payments. And that leads us into a really um, dicey topic. And of course, that's credit. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> know, I think um, I found early on in the pandemic, everybody was offering relief. And, and I was telling people, you have to be in communication with your lenders. They're not going to call you and say necessarily and say, we're offering this. You have to be in touch with people. That could be your utility company, your car loan company or, you know, landlord, whatever it happens to be. And it's really interesting for those people that maybe didn't get in communication early on or didn't find out what that relief is. If they've let it go and ignored it, you know, it may not be that there's the re- the amount of relief or the understanding or the compassion that may have been there earlier on, because now we're kind of getting a little bit used to this. And so I think that waiting is certainly can um, maybe end up having a different result. But the sooner you get in communication and figure out where you are and what you need to do, the better off you'll be and you'll start to relieve that anxiety. Getting into action will help to relieve that anxiety. And I do think that there are a lot of advisors out there. There are a lot of people that will sit down and help you get organized and frame some of this as to what are the first steps that you need to do that are familiar with calling and some of the options that you would have. And I know many of the time, many times, and companies just want you to pay something which will help with your credit so that it doesn't look like you've defaulted on everything. And you can work that out and make a minimum payment. Of course, the unfortunate thing about that is the interest that they charge you along the way. So many times there's things that you can do to minimize some of that, but you really do have to sit down and either talk with someone or take the time yourself to really organize where you're at and make those phone calls. Absolutely. I think there's, you know, sometimes we don't understand the value of really working with a professional who really understands some of the rules and regulations, tax law, just there's so much to know about money and how all of it works together. And, you know, that's is especially important for even younger people, you know, to make sure that they're working with professionals because, um, you know, an influencer on YouTube that's talking about how to save money may not know all the ins and outs that might be important for you and may not even know what to ask you and questions to ask you. And so I think that we have, um, unfortunately for a lot of the younger people, they have lost the value of really sitting down with a qualified credential professional in this area. And so it's so important to do that. Somebody that can really thoroughly, you know, make sure that they're giving you the advice that's passed the test, that's done the work and, you know, got themselves educated so they can give you good advice. One of the things that happens on with the media is that they make statements that sounds like it applies to everybody. And the truth of it is we're all individuals. Our Mm -hmm. situations are, are different. We may not own any of the stocks or the investments that they're talking about, yet it causes people anxiety and fear. And there's no one size that fits all. And I think the most important thing that our clients have told us that has helped them is they know what they own. They know what they have. They know what's going to happen in an up market, what's going to happen in a down market, and they can sleep at night. And that, once again, is all about knowing where you're at. Absolutely. And what you can expect in the, in the unexpected. Absolutely. You know, there's, you know, I, and giving credit to those financial entertainers, as I call them, you know, they're speaking to a mass audience. They have to keep it kind of general, but you have to, when you're getting down to the nitty gritty of doing your own planning, 
you know, your individual situation, while it may seem similar to your friends, will be different. And so working with somebody who can really start to, you know, get into the weeds with you and understand your the nuances of your individual situation is priceless. And so it's really worth the time to sit down with somebody who can do that for you instead of thinking you can take this general advice and apply it to every and all situations. You know, one of the things that launched me into doing these COVID interviews um, conversations with a purpose was I was in the grocery store and this elderly lady screamed at me almost at the top of her lungs saying, can't you read? You know, you're going the wrong way. And they had just put those arrows down the aisles and I was not paying attention. I was going for something in that aisle and out. And I stopped and I turned around and I came up. And I think that fear, that collective fear that has happened with people what you say in the book that I think is great, ongoing behavior modification, stop, breathe, and feel. Don't react to what everybody else is out there. Don't react to your neighbor who is telling you, oh, I've lost so much money, or I don't have enough this, I don't have enough that. That's that person. Right, right. Go into your own space and breathe. I think pause and Absolutely. breathe. I, I think that I, tell, I told my son just last week, I said, you are responsible for regulating your own emotions. That when people's emotions or people's actions, you know, immediately, you, you know, but you're, you can control your own emotional response to that. And the better off that you are able to do that over time, the better you'll be able to take those, I said, take 10 deep breaths before you respond or make a decision. You know, breathing has an enormous way of, of kind of alleviating that anxiety and that immediate kind of adrenaline that kicks in. And so I think everybody could use a few minutes to, you know, take some deep breaths and to kind of, you know, process what they're feeling, thinking, and doing. My guest today is author Andy Fraser, and her book is Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. I recommend it as a great read, as a great gift for someone that you care about. So many of us at the point in life where we are, really, my family never talked about money. I mean, the most that we ever talked about money was my father saying, money doesn't grow on trees and we don't own the electric company, turn off the lights. And, you know, the poor people, you know, in China don't have any food, so you have to eat your food. I mean, you know, we heard those kinds of um, things, but we never really talked about money. And so your book really gives a great guide as to how to make the conversations easy. And when we come back, I'd really like to talk a little bit more about what the pandemic, the impact, and one of the impacts is that people have lost their jobs Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to be looking for. This pandemic has given us an opportunity to be home with our families, to really um, realign ourselves with what's important and having dinner together and having conversations together. But now how do you move forward and have that balance in life? And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and the senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And if you are listening to this conversation and if it's turning a light on for you and you're wondering, you know, how can I take some forward thinking steps? Please feel free to give us a call at 262-691-3200. We'd be happy to sit down and get you to that point where you know where you're at. That's really the first step is to know where you're at. 
Her book is called Financially Free, as I said. And one of the things that I have to add to it when we talk to our clients, we want them to be financially free and we want them to sleep at night. <laughs> so what are the things that with this pandemic and some of the urgencies that people are feeling, what are the things that they can do that will take off some of that stress so that they can sleep at night? Because, you know, stress is the number one reason people get sick. Everybody's going to be in a different situation that listens to this show. There will be some people that are, you know, really, really lost their jobs, don't, didn't have savings, didn't have an emergency fund, are really finding themselves in dire straits. And there's others, you know, I've talked to people who've been able to save money in this because they're not eating out. They're not, you know, saving, they're saving costs on transportation and other things. So, and everything in between. So depending on where you are, when you're hearing this, you know, these things may or may not apply, but I think getting accurate about what's coming in and what's going out, what are those discretionary expenses that you can either eliminate entirely, um, temporarily pause so that you can maybe pick them back up later when your circumstances change or that, you know, you can um, change how they're being paid for perhaps so that you can continue them, but maybe in a different way, discuss the terms and then really focusing on making sure you have money to cover those non-discretionary expenses, the utilities, the mortgage, the food, those things that, you know, you really can't do without. And then being communication around any debt that you have with any of your lenders, as we talked about earlier, utility companies, car loans, credit cards, you know, anybody that may be out there to, to give relief. And then if you've done that and you're still looking for resources, you know, the CARES Act provides an opportunity to look at your retirement plans. If you need to take a distribution or a loan from that, there's some special, you know, rules around that that might be available. I, I hate people to go and have to dive into their retirement in order to be able to satisfy things today. But, you know, better to do that than to get yourself really further behind in debt and to ruin your credit score. There's also some other things that you might look at. You might look at to see if you have any life insurance, if there's any cash value in that life insurance. A lot of people forget about that as a resource. Um, a home equity line of credit or home equity loan might be available, but you have to have a job if you haven't already established that line of credit. So that's kind of affecting some people there as well. A good time to refinance too with the interest rates being so low. Absolutely. To cut expenses. But you have to really be employed is what I'm hearing. Yes. From is they're not refinancing for people who are unemployed. And so, but certainly if you are in a position to be able to do that with interest rates being so low, now would be a great time to do that. However, I caution people when they're looking at consolidating debt, you have to go back to your behavior. If you're the kind of person that gets debt paid off and immediately kind of starts to slowly get it back you know, layered on again, then consolidating and freeing up your credit limit might just end up having you incur more and more debt. So you have to pay attention to your behavior when you're thinking about consolidating. And that's the benefit of working with somebody who can be objective and can help guide you there. I have two things that I'd like you to just touch on. Um, one of them you spoke on earlier, emotions and values. Money creates a lot of shame in pandemics like this and the emotion around money and understanding that, and you were talking about it earlier, that people look at each other, look at people as to their value based on what they have or don't have. And when things like this happen, shame can erode and prevent you from moving forward. It's so true. And I mean, I've heard so many people outside of this talk about how shame has impacted their ability to kind of get it, get themselves organized around their money because they're just they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk to somebody. That's what the professionals are there for. Um, I think right now we have a lot of people that do feel shame. They are beating themselves up because they didn't listen to that financial advice. They didn't have those emergency funds or the Liberty funds. They didn't have those resources. 
But now's the time to really recognize that if you stay stay in that shame spiral, it's not going to help you get out of it. And the the more willing you're are able to be vulnerable and when you're talking to a professional, they can really help you because we as professionals, Karen, you and I are professionals here, we know how to be able to help people. We see it every day and there's confidentiality rules that we have to adhere to. And so when they come to us, we know how we can really deal with that. And so as Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. We've all Mm -hmm. been through things in our life that if we look back, we would have done it different. But as we learn, we are able to grow. And so give yourself a lot of grace and compassion. You know, what you should have, could have, would have done is over. What do you need to do now to take the very next action that's the right action for you? And that may be to be vulnerable, talk to somebody and ask for that help. And the first step, as you say, might be to ask for help. Yep, absolutely. To yeah, ask for that's help. a sign of strength, not weakness, to ask for help. And I think the other thing, too, is that um, people are going to be looking to start new jobs and take on new jobs, looking for work. I think to really sit down and have an idea of what's important to you, as you said earlier in the conversation, to understand what finances, what money means to you, what it means to your family, what you're willing to give up what you're willing to do to create wealth and what that wealth looks like. I mean, reasonably, not a number, but what it looks like in um, as your attitude, what you're doing and how you want to live your life. Absolutely. You know, it may be that you're not taking the job that pays the most, but you're taking a job that provides you more flexibility and more control over your time or allows you to work wherever you want. I think we're going to see a lot of new normals kind of emerge from this that will be hopefully long lasting. I think people have enjoyed being able to work from home as options. You know, they realize that they're saving money on transportation. Some people have are realizing that, wow, I spend a lot of money on transportation or on eating out and going into the office. And so I think it's a great time for us to reevaluate what's important to us and how money contributes to that and also deters us from that. Um, you know, and we'll have to have another conversation because I know there's not enough time left to address this. But one of the things that's happened with the pandemic, and we've certainly seen with our clients, is parents, grandparents, watching their children struggle and wondering how much they should give, what should they give, um, eroding their own retirement in order to help a child or a grandchild. And that's another thing, I believe, that ask for help and sit down and talk with someone as to how you can do that. Absolutely. And, you know, trying to have those important conversations within families, having a family summit, you know, if you think about it, it, this is a perfect example of how money's not math. If money were just math and everybody be able to talk about it and not bring about all these emotions and feelings around money, if it were that easy. So we know that it has more. And so I see a lot of families that don't talk about things. Parents don't want to share with their children, their adult children about what's going on. And the adult children don't want to ask because they don't want their parents thinking that they're wanting them to die. So they get their money. There's all these, you know, mind games that we play with ourselves around it. But it now's a really great time because we don't know what's going to happen and it can change on a dime to really connect as a family and say, let's talk about this so that we can work together. Here's, you know, the agenda. Here's what we're trying to accomplish as a unit and really come together and have those important conversations. My guest today is Andy Frazier. She has written a book, Financially Free, 11 Conversations to Have with Yourself About Life, Money, and Worth. It's really a good book. 
and I've enjoyed the interview and I hope that you will come on again because there's other topics dealing with elderly parents, dealing with, you know, literally with children and raising kids and the emotion of money. We could talk forever, both of us, I'm sure. Absolutely. I look forward to coming back, Karen, and, and this has been great. Thank you for having me. Do you have one thing you'd like to say to our listeners before we close the show? I think right now, just try to remain calm. Go back to that now, next, and later um, concept so that you can really not be so worried about what's going to happen five or 10 years from now, but really focus on what's immediately in front of me and how can I best get an action around that. Thank you, and everyone have a really great weekend. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.